Oh boy. Okay, Pete. What Jason thing are we talking about today? Oh, Kev, you gotta have your morning coffee. Buddy, we're done with Jason. I'm sorry? Yeah, we're not talking about Jason anymore. We're not yeah. talking about we're not talking about Jason anymore? No! <laughs> we just oh, oh man! It's we're moving on. We're gonna Is talk the about sun out? Oh god, the sun's out! It's a beautiful day! I mean, they were all pretty nice when we were doing the breakdown. I you did. don't understand the clouds of darkness have been surrounding me, Pete. Okay. It's been years, Pete. It's been, Maybe you're being dramatic. Uber it, Jason has, destroyed my will to live. He, he did a lot of people, but that's it's fine. We're moving on. Guys, everybody, rejoice and welcome to Fearless Films. Fearless Films is a podcast where a horror movie buff, that's me, breaks down the scary movies for the scaredy cats. That's me. So they don't have to watch the movie. So, in this brand new age, this age of enlightenment, we've moved on past nonsensical plot structures and silly, gratuitous nudity and violence. And where are we now? Probably something highbrow, I'm betting. Oh boy. Okay. So Kev, uh, um, we're going to talk about a 1981 film that was... Classics are great. I really appreciate it. I think people really honed their craft in the 80s. Well, I mean, cult classic would probably be more appropriate. I'm getting worried. And this movie was made on a very small budget uh, mm. by a group of... I mean, they weren't even filmmakers yet. They were just oh, a, a group of friends who decided to make a horror movie because they grew up playing with, you know, old 8mm cameras and stuff. Pete, you're not filling me with confidence here. And uh, it gets pretty violent. There's a bit of exploitation, oh. you know, sensationalism going on. And, Pete, are, uh, we are, we watching, are we talking about some shocky horror movie 80s thing again? You pro the schlockiest. We're talking about <sighs> Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead. I'm sorry, the what? The Evil Dead. The Evil Dead. Yeah. That's the name. That's the name. The very the evocative name of this title. Movie that they decided to make. They said we're going to make a horror movie. What should we call it? And they picked Evil Dead. Well, I mean, it was originally called Book of the Dead, but that's lame and boring. Oh, yes, because just throwing a dart at a dartboard covered in bad words and picking the two that it hits is a better title. Oh, no, let's we'll see. This is a horror movie. We've got scary on the board. We've got monster on the board. We've got, well, we got to put evil on the board. We've got mutilation on the board. For some reason, we have boobs on the board, but I guess that works. And we've got scary and dead. Let's see what happens. Fulunk. Evil, okay. Oh, dead. Okay, that's our movie. I feel like you're you're really focusing on this title thing. It's just two words that are bad, scary words. There's no thought here. What if the dead were evil, Kev? Luckily, they're dead, Pete. So we don't have to worry about them. Well, oh my God, evil dead. We have to talk about this movie, despite <laughs> its title, because we brought it up during the Jason episodes, and you need to understand why it's important. All right, this is the one that you have to delve into your crazy tinfoil hat fan theories. It's not crazy. It not... makes perfect sense. All... You just have to connect the dots, man. All conspiracy theories say that. So what's Evil Dead about? Is it about some dead people who are evil, Pete? Um, sort of, but not really. It's not even right on the title? No, because they're demons. What the hell? It's about evil demons. Why didn't they just name it that? Because that doesn't sound as catchy as Evil Dead. You gotta start thinking like a marketer, Kev. It's short, it's to the point, it's I catchy. didn't sniff enough glue in my teen years to think like a marketer for horror movies. Well... Listen, when you produce a franchise that makes four movies and a successful TV show, you can come <laughs> talk about titles. Uh, well, apparently they work for, for your generation or your the people who love your genre. So I guess we'll go forward with it. There's Evil Demons. Let's talk about the movie Evil Demons. Okay. 
So this movie starts with five friends who are Michigan State University students going on a weekend retreat to a cabin in the woods. Okay, all of this is bad. All of this is bad. This is where that imagery comes from, pretty much, in case you were wondering about the movie called Cabin in the Woods. Oh, this, this was this the start of that uh, trope of like, let's go into the woods to hang out as teenagers. Yeah, and then get much. murdered violently. Uh huh. After reading from something you shouldn't have read from. Cool. So the main character of this movie is Ash Williams, played by the iconic Bruce Campbell. I know that name. Um. Yes. Although I'm struggling. I know the movies you enjoy, and I'm struggling to think of what you know Bruce Campbell from, other than. He had cameos in the first three Spider-Man movies. (laughs) I just like soup. What? Oh, I hate you. (laughs) He has nothing to do with Campbell's soup, you dummy. (laughs) But no, uh, Bruce Campbell uh, is a childhood friend of director Sam Raimi, so he shows up in most, if not all, of his works. What's Sam Raimi done? That name is also super familiar. The aforementioned first three Spider-Man movies that starred Tobey Maguire. Oh, really? He did the Tobey run? Which is strange because everything else in his resume is horror. I mean, some of those movies were pretty horrific. Ooh. But yeah, uh, you'll know Sam Raimi from the Spider-Man movies, the Evil Dead franchise. Um, He did... Okay, I'm... I'm reading through his IMDb page, and man, I think I know whose fault it is for these terrible movie names. Some of the movies that he's been involved in, if not as director than producer, Boogeyman, Drag Me to Hell, Evil Dead is The the Possession, Uh, Murder of a Cat, (laughs) Knife Man, Knife Man. Knife Man? I'm just glad you didn't make fun of Dark Man. Oh, God, is that here, too? Yeah, that starred Liam Neeson. Oh, God, it is here. The man... Okay, one of the first things he's involved in is just called It's Murder! with an exclamation point. It was a college student film. What do you he want? Can't, he couldn't hire a writer for any of these? Okay, fine. If it makes you feel better, the next movie he's about to direct is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. See, I feel like he probably went with Magic Man in Scary Times, but the (laughs) Marvel, general Marvel uh, people were like, okay, Sam, take a sit in the corner. We're going to have people who can actually think of titles come up with this movie, okay? Fine, fine. Magic Man in the universe of scary stuff. Back to the plot. So these five friends, who are from Michigan, remember, are going to spend the weekend in an isolated cabin in rural Tennessee. That's a bit of a hike. I looked it up. It is a 10-hour drive. That seems like too much to just go in a cab. I have a cabin in the woods that's two hours away, and sometimes I feel like that's too much of a drive. Yeah, I am not. I don't care how good friends we are, Kevin. <laughs> I am not putting both of our wives in a car and driving for 10 hours. Anywhere. I don't care where we're going. But Ash, um, they're not married yet, but Ash is traveling with his girlfriend, Linda, his sister, Cheryl, and their friends, Scott and Shelly, who are also dating each other. So Ash's sister, Cheryl, is the fifth wheel who's just along for the ride. But at least it's like a sister-sibling related rather than just, I'm here. Yeah, exactly. So as they get to the cabin, uh, it's immediately spooky and, and scary. It's in the deep in the woods, isolated from everything. And like they're going up to unlock it and... The, there's a, a porch swing that's just like swaying even though there's no wind and bumping up against the cabin and as soon as Scott puts his hands on the doorknob everything just stops moving and goes silent again and it's real creepy but hey teenagers who want to party so whatever <laughs> they're like it's okay creepy swings won't get in the way of our hilarious hijinks <laughs> I mean, mostly they're just going to sit around, hang out, and drink beers. It's, you know. that I mean, when you're a teenager, that's hilarious hijinks. <laughs> they're young. Give them some credit. 
So everyone's settling in, picking their rooms, putting all their stuff away, and it cuts to like a little while later, and Ash's sister Cheryl is shown like drawing. She's she likes to just um do like sketches for fun, and she's drawing like a picture of the grandfather clock that's in the cabin. And suddenly she hears this whispering voice in her mind that says, Join us. Fun. And she loses control of her hand, what? which turns pale and starts drawing a picture of a book with a demonic face on its cover. I mean, that happens to me whenever I try to do art, too. So I just stopped doing art. That makes sense. But uh, this freaks her out, obviously, but she doesn't tell anyone because this is a horror movie. Because why would you? Why would you tell your friends about weird shit, weird thing happening right now? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, how do you explain that, Kev? How do you explain that? I don't know. How about I heard some weird shit and my hand started drawing on its own and it drew this weird book I've never seen. That's a good way to start. Fine. I mean, they just spent 10 hours in the car together. You think they'd know each other well enough by this point to be able to share some secrets. You know what, Kev? You just don't get how this horror movie setup works. All right. People need to make uh, questionable decisions. decisions. So they they sit down for dinner later, uh, and there's a funny moment where Ash tries to make a toast in Latin, like some phrase that he had heard before, but he can't remember the words. And that becomes a running joke in this franchise that any time Ash needs to say something important, uh, usually in Latin, he cannot remember the exact words and he screws it up. (laughs) So as they're eating... The cellar trap door flies open on its own, giving everyone a start. And hey, that happened in Cabin in the Woods. Didn't you tell me that? Yeah, but that was because uh, two dudes at a control console made it happen. This is, you know, demons. It's references, though, Pete. I'm catching up. I'm picking up on references. Yeah. So, of course, they're like, let's go check out what's in the basement. Really? Why don't you just burn the whole cabin down? They remember, Kev, they don't have the decades of experience like we do watching horror movies. Also, I feel like at this point, like they're already 10 hours into this trip. It's very hard to just be like, let's turn around and go home. Oh, yeah. You need to feel like you got your time and money's worth. (laughs) So Scott and Ash go down into the basement and it's real dark and spooky down there. Very dank. And they find this book. So, of course, they bring it back up to check it out. It's uh, the Bible. The Gideons dropped it off there. It's very much not. It's the opposite of the Bible. Do, do you remember our discussion on that Jason episode of what the, the famous evil book is called? Yeah, it's the Menomenon. Do, 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 do. I mean, points for the joke, but you're wrong. <laughs> it's the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, correct? That's what, that's what I said. Incorrect. It is not that. It does not get called that until the second movie onwards. Well, they didn't they didn't probably do any sort of research or or, uh, trying to figure anything out for this movie. They were just like, let's put some co-eds into a cabin to get murdered. Eh, Maybe in this movie, it's called the Natorum Demento. But for whatever reason, from the second movie onward, they change it to the Necronomicon Ex Mortis. Well, it's because they were referencing Lovecraft, right? Didn't we talk about that? Yeah. They're like, we got to connect this somehow to be smart. Either way, Kev, either way, it, no matter what you call it in its Latin name, I guess, or in this case, it's always referred to as the Sumerian version of the Book of the Dead, which cool. I'm sure Sam Raimi just made up. Uh, definitely. <laughs> they also find a tape recorder that belonged to some archaeologist who stayed at this cabin and left the book there. And they listen to some of it, and he talks about the book and how it's ancient and full of, like, dark magic and stuff. And, of course, they keep listening, and he starts reciting passages from the book on the tape recording, which Cheryl yells at him. She's like, don't, we should turn this off. This is bad. And Scott is just like, whatever. It's just a stupid old man saying stuff. (laughs) So, of course, they listen to the incantation, and unknown to them, but shown to the audience, a sort of dark evil spirit is awakened and let loose in the general area of the cabin. The did they but they didn't even read from the necronomicon. They literally were just like listening to a recording. The book was never even read. It counts. What? Then why even have the book there? 
Why not? Why not? I guess that's a lot of decision-making processes in these movies, huh? Now, I'll throw you a bone, Kev. It's a, it is a Chekhov's gun. The book matters later. All right. So, later that evening, Cheryl goes for a walk in the woods to try to, like, cool off. Although, I don't, I don't frequent walking in the woods in the middle of the night as a way to relax. That would usually set me on edge. Just gotta chill out, bro. It's fine. Let's just go through. Why don't we just hang out in a graveyard to just relax a little bit? And what follows is a scene you may or may not have heard for. It's pretty infamous and trigger warning. So the evil possesses the forest itself. And Cheryl is attacked by the trees. And by what I mean is the like vines and branches snake out and like wrap around her arms and legs and hold her down. And then she is sexually assaulted by the trees. What a weird decision to put in this movie. Yeah, a, a vine sort of snakes up, you know, like... Oh, like I, um, I, I am well aware of the, the tapestry you're painting me with your words, in, Pete. In a, in, a, in a very similar manner to baby demon snake Jason. Oh, <laughs> man, why do we... Why are so many horror movie directors and writers are like, guys... Let's focus on the hoo-ha. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it feels like the work of a, of a young filmmaker because from that point forward in the franchise, it never gets as extreme as it does in that moment. Like, I they can... never bring back, like, rape into the franchise ever again. So I just, I, I just don't understand. Like, I mean, when you've got this, you want to showcase this evil, why does it always have to go to, like, Guys, guys, you know what would be great? Tree sex. That's what evil people like, right? That's what evil is. Dendrophilia. That's what, that's what all the demons like. It's, what the it's hell? A, it's effective in its sensationalism because it's still talked about today. So I guess that's true. They did push the envelope to the point where everybody's going, what the fuck, even like 30 years later. It is definitely the most like terrifying, scary moment in this film. Because it's very, it's a long scene, and it's very, like, intense. The actress does a really good job, and it's shot in a very, like, high-adrenaline and like high adrenaline manner, and it's just, ugh. So, moving on from that, thankfully. Yeah. Cheryl is released, and she makes her way back to the cabin, and she's in hysterics, obviously. And she's she's like, Ash, I want to get out of here. Take me into town. I'll stay somewhere in town. I don't care. So he he agrees, puts her in the car. And as they're driving back to the woods, they discover the bridge they crossed to get to where the cabin is, is destroyed now. So there's literally is, no way. It's the only bridge in and out of this area. Yeah, the one bridge out of town. It's it's torn apart, so they can't leave. So he has to take them back to the cabin. Well, that's fun. Which leaves Cheryl even more in a panic, and she's she starts going off about how whatever it is won't let them leave. But at this point, all of her friends think that she's just, like, crazy or something. Because the only bad stuff that's happened in this movie has happened to Cheryl, right? Exactly. And always when she's alone. So, like a smart person, back at the cabin, Ash listens to more of the tape... <laughs> So he's just like, yeah, screw you, sister, whatever. But he does learn something useful, or but he doesn't understand it at the time. It's, uh, the tape says the only way to kill an entity that is possessed by this evil is to dismember the host. Which Ash is just like, this is a dark fucking archaeologist. Yeah, we're suddenly... <laughs> this, this guy's getting a little too extreme, I feel like. Hmm. Meanwhile, in the, the living room area, the two other girls, Linda and Shelly, are playing cards. And all of a sudden, Cheryl just starts, like, predicting every card they're about to draw. She then begins to float in the air. Uh-oh. Uh, her eyes turn, like, glazed over pale. And in a demonic voice, she demands to know who has disturbed their sleep and threatens to kill all of them. Wow. You think demons would be a lot like happier about being released from this captivity in there, but they're all just cranky about being woken up. I've noticed that too. That's fairly bothersome. Like <laughs> you're free now. 
Show a little respect. I mean, Robin Williams was super happy when they freed him in Aladdin. I don't think he was a demon. I mean, he I mean, he had the similar powers, I feel like. I don't remember him possessing people. Got pretty dark when Jafar was controlling him. Well, yeah, but that was the dude was evil, not the entity. <laughs> Whatever, it doesn't matter. Why are we talking about Aladdin? <clears throat> hey, man, did you see the live action remake? Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. They made a lot of choices. They've made a lot of choices for that movie. So anyway, uh, the group tries to grab Cheryl and, and, you know, just tie her down or whatever. But with supernatural strength, she starts throwing people across the room. She stabs Linda in the ankle with a, like a pencil. And eventually, though, they... when you said when you started that sentence, she stabs. I was expecting so many things and none of them had to do with the ankle and a pencil. It was, I mean, they were working on a budget, so. (laughs) But eventually the group knocks Cheryl down into the basement and locks her inside. All right, time to set the cabin on fire. Sorry about your sister, Ash, but let's go home. I mean, we still have like half a movie to go, Kev. I don't think that's what's going to happen next. I mean, if they listened to my advice in the beginning, they'd be, this movie would have ended 20 minutes ago. All right, taking a break from the weirdness that is Evil Dead so far. Just can't get over how great that movie's named. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what we're doing next. Pete, what are we uh, talking about later? Next week, we're going to be covering a horror comedy. I know you love those, Kev. They make me almost want to watch the movie. <laughs> this one's called Happy Death Day. And the general premise is Groundhog's Day, but it's a co-ed being murdered over and over again on the same day and trying to figure out how to stop that from happening and see how it's like happy birthday but she dies a lot so it's happy death day so there's some like cleverness in that title here we go (laughs) there's actually like a phrase that we talk about and then it just it's a it's a turn of phrase on top of a well-known phrase so like somebody actually put some fucking thought into this Pete, kev i'm already looking forward to it you got to get over the name thing. <laughs> this is Arlette all over again. <laughs> I To this day, I still have not met or heard of anybody anywhere in any form of media being named Arlette. So okay. that's on them. That's on Steven. <laughs> so if you like what we're talking about or you want to hear about something that you're really passionate about making me live through so Pete can torment me with your favorite horror movie you can always get in touch with us we are on facebook we're on instagram we're on twitter twitter is fearless film pod and all the other handles are fearless films podcast so check us out on facebook and on instagram on twitter you can always just shoot us an email fearlessfilmpodcast at gmail.com and you know harass us that way we love to hear from our fans and we love to hear what you guys want us to talk about because this is after all for you guys We're not just doing this so that we can all have, so Pete and I can just giggle it up every week or so. I mean, that's pretty nice. I mean, it's an added bonus, but. (laughs) All right, you want to get back to the weird demon forest thing? Oh, do I ever? I knew you would, Pete. I knew you would. All right, so possess Cheryl, trapped in the basement, everyone else arguing about what the hell they should do now. It's and... very obvious what they should do. The book told them. Dismember her. Easy. Hey, man, that's somebody's sister, okay? <laughs> Apparently not anymore. Normal sisters, I don't know. I don't have a sister, but I've heard on good evidence that normal sisters don't float and predict cards and threaten people with murder. But at least two of the three they don't do. What is the... Th- what's the third? <laughs> don't worry about it. Let's go forward. Okay. So uh, after arguing for a while, Shelly, Scott's girlfriend, she's like, I forgot there was other people in this movie. (laughs) She's like, I'm going to go lie down. Come get me when we forgot what the hell we're doing. Wait, what? Her friend's possessed by evil demon locked in the basement and her response is to take a nap? It's been a very stressful situation. All right. Some people don't handle stress very well, I guess. Sucks about your sister, Ash. Gonna go take a nap. Unfortunately, because this is a horror movie, you should never separate from the group. 
and yeah. she she gets she hears something outside her window, goes to look, and then there's a crash. So Scott goes to check on her, and she's not in her room. The window's open, and when he goes looking for her, she jumps out and attacks him because now she's also possessed. Did a tree stab her hoo-ha as well? No, at this point, and this is a running thing for the evil entity in the, this franchise, It's once it's gotten a little bit of power, it can basically just kick itself into overdrive and possess you just willy-nilly. Okay, this seems like an unfair balance of power here. It is. <laughs> so they have a scuffle, and Scott has to end up stabbing his girlfriend in the back with... Oh, I forgot about there was a third item found in the basement, a Sumerian dagger. That's an important item to leave out, Pete. It's a ceremonial looking thing with like a bone handle, with like a skull carved into it. You know, just one of those things that everyone has just in their basement somewhere. I have like four of them down there. It's really annoying. <laughs> so he, he stabs Shelly and is like, oh, my God, I killed my girlfriend. But then she gets back up again. Oh, well, good. He didn't have to worry about killing his girlfriend. then. The fighting continues. She's, you know, demonstrating more of that supernatural strength as she's just tossing the two guys all over the place. And eventually they they stop her when Scott grabs an axe and dismembers her. Now, dismembers is not the same as beheading, Pete. Well, you that's part of it. Does he actually chop off all of her limbs? Yes. Wow, this movie, man. It's not holding any punches. No, no. So obviously this leaves him very shaken and sort of in shock, and they bury her. And Scott's just like, fuck this. I'm finding a way back to town on foot if I have to and goes out into the woods to just find like a trail or something that'll get them out of there. That's really not the best way to do this. It's not. It's really not. (laughs) Sometime later in the same night, this all takes place over one night. He returns like mortally wounded, like he's got cuts and stabs and shit all over him. And he, he, like Ash brings him inside and sits him on the couch. Is like, no, you're gonna be okay, buddy. It's gonna be fine. And clearly, it was probably it's not. just it was probably just a bramble thicket. You know, <laughs> you walk well, around the woods, you're gonna get scratches. You joke, but he does say like, as he's sitting there dying slowly from his wounds, he's like, the trees won't let us leave. So th- theoretically, he also got attacked by the trees. Man, this Sam guy is really obsessed with trees having their way with people, aren't they? A little bit. In the meantime, so Ash sits him down, but unfortunately, while he's trying to deal with that, Ash's girlfriend Linda gets possessed now. Ah, damn it! Everybody's getting. Wait, is Ash the only one who's not being possessed or evil here? Yes. So we've got locked up Cheryl, dead Shelley, dying. What's his face? Scott. Scott, and now possessed Linda. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they? Why did? Why doesn't he just possess? Or why doesn't this evil person just possess everybody? And then you don't have to worry about it. Well, that's a good question, Kevin. Actually, it's very interesting how these demons are portrayed in this franchise. They they're not interested in just killing people, and that's it. They actively enjoy tormenting and driving humans insane. Awesome, that's fun. I mean, I guess that's a good realistic version of of uh, demons. Yeah, I mean, they're they're just having fun, dude. Like, they're here to have a good time. Great. So, Linda doesn't attack Ash when she becomes possessed. Uh, it's kind of worse. She just sits down on the ground and starts giggling like a child in a very, very unsettling way. So, Ash is having a bad day is what I'm hearing. Uh-huh. Especially when you consider at the same time, uh, throughout the night, just... Every now and then, Cheryl will pop her head up like she can open the the trap door to the basement like a couple inches and she'll just pop her head up and laugh or taunt Ash and say he's going to die. Wow. Man. So he's getting he's getting it from all sides. <laughs> so Ash is trying to do what he can for Scott. Linda's gone crazy. Cheryl's mocking him. Yeah, at this point, I'd just be like, if I was Ash, I'd be like, well, I'm dead. I'm just going to go kill myself now. Like, there's nothing to do. You can't go anywhere. All of your friends and family are possessed or dying. That's it. We're done. Uh, What does end up happening is that Linda does eventually attack him, and he fights her off, stabs her with a dagger, um, which Which puts her down. 
well, it puts her down temporarily, but he can't bring himself to dismember her. Like, there's even a point where he takes her out to the tool shed out back and he like lays her on this table and he has a chainsaw. But as he's looking at her, he just sees the face of his girlfriend and he can't do it. I mean, that is the best evidence that I have that you can prove to me that they're not actually married. <laughs> what are you trying to say here, Kev? And what should I be telling your wife later? It's been eight years. She knows. <laughs> so, just remember her in an instant. Sign one that she's possessed and you're done. You're just cutting her head off. She laughs a little bit too long at one of my jokes. I'm like, demon possession, let's do it. Get the bone-handled knife, not that one, the other one. Good to know. Uh, but eventually she does resuscitate and attacks him some more, and against his desires, he does end up decapitating her with a shovel and then wow, running... a sharp shovel. Well, he's sort of one of those, she's on the ground and he just stabs it straight down into her neck type of deals. Fun. He then retreats back to the cabin, and inside he discovers that Cheryl has escaped from the cellar. Scott's long dead by this point, in case you were worried about him. Yeah, I was super concerned. Yeah. Cheryl manages to avoid Ash and hide from him for a while. Uh, but then she jumps out and starts choking him. He manages to escape her and shoots her in the jaw with a shotgun that was in the cabin. There was a shotgun here the whole time? Yeah, but you know, you, nobody was willing to use it to shoot their friends just yet. But at this point, Ash is past that. He's crossed that line. You know, I mean, I would be too. Like, the, there's no friends left. Speaking of which, he thinks he's got the upper hand now, but then Scott reanimates as a possessed demon and attacks him as well. Notice how you didn't say that he was dead. He's a reanimated demon. So he is, in fact, evil. Oh, my God. But not dead. He was dead. Yeah, but like the, the dead part isn't the evil thing. The demon's the evil thing. But they cannot... They had two words to use, Pete, and they still fucked it up. (laughs) So now Ash is battling the two of them, and during the scuffle, the the evil book gets knocked right on the edge of the fireplace, and Ash sees that when it gets burned a little, it seems to hurt the demons. Ooh, burn the cabin down. I told them from day one. Before they even entered the cabin, they should have burned it down. Had they followed your rules, they would have survived all this. So Ash is battling them. It's very bloody and graphic because that's a Sam Raimi film. Um, Really? Really? One of these movies is graphic? I haven't heard that from... I I didn't gather that from what you've been talking about (laughs) for the last half an hour. I mean, there's eyes getting gouged out. There's things being stabbed through people. It's very graphic. So finally, the the two of them are about to kill Ash. They've got him on the ground. They're like choking him and attacking him. And he manages to get a hold of the book and throw it all the way into the fireplace and, you know, burn it completely, which causes the two demons to turn into claymation and then what? stop motion animate, dissolve and decay instantly. Not the best budget is what I'm hearing. Not a big budget, no. <laughs> Which, you know, they're, the book is burned, they're dead, um, Ash is alive, you know, obviously traumatized and, you know, just fucked up completely. <laughs> he stumbles out of the cabin as the sun is rising in the morning, and as he's walking away thinking he survived this horrific ordeal... Suddenly, the evil entity comes shooting rapidly through the forest and rushes right at him, and he screams as we cut to credits. Really, dude? That's how we have to do this? That's how we're doing this. Of course it is. So that's fun. That seems like a fun movie. If I ever saw that movie, I'd really want to, like, have a sit-down talk with Sam and see if he's doing okay. Like I said, it's very much a young man's movie. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, it didn't seem like it was that much going on. It's interesting. Um, It It feels very straightforward is what I meant. Yeah, yeah. It's a very, very simple plot. It feels longer than it is because there's so many. There's long takes 
and there's very slow panning shots. Um, he really he does do an effective job of creating like a creepy atmosphere, but it does still have some of those amateur filmmaker moves. Like um, I I don't know if it's just because their equipment was cheap and they didn't have the technology to do it, but instead of doing a dramatic zoom in on someone's face. Like the camera literally walks closer to a person's face. <laughs> we didn't have, we couldn't afford zoom lenses. So uh, just, just, hey, hey, Bill, just walk slowly, carefully towards him. You, you're going to look surprised about something, and the camera guy's just going to go right up in your face. Just get up in there. So to just jump right into the next segment, it is a movie that looks like it's budget. Which was about, uh, from estimates, about 400000 What do you mean, uh, from estimates? They don't have this posted or anything like this? Well, it's, I mean, that's literally, when you look it up, it's, it has an about from this to this. Oh, wow. Because this was, Sam Raimi was Kevin Smith before Kevin Smith, and that he just decided, I'm going to make a movie, even though I'm not rich or have any connections in Hollywood, and then just did it. Just... But so Kevin Smith in the 90s, he just bought he got himself a bunch of credit cards and maxed them all out and was like, if it's successful, I can pay them off. What Sam Raimi did was he drove around the the city he lived in and all the surrounding towns. And he literally just found people who owned businesses or had money and was like, would you like to invest in a movie? (laughs) And it worked. Wow, I mean, he got $400,000-ish for this. Yeah, he got about $400,000 from various people who just, like, invested in the movie and was like, if it does well, I'll pay you back. I'm guessing and, they, he probably paid them back, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, made, it made over $2 million just from, like, the U.S. release, which was he played it at, like, colleges and shit for a while until somebody picked it up. I was going to say, it didn't, uh, was it mass release? I can't believe it would have been. Eventually. Um, like, he showed it around for a while, and then it got noticed, and it was played at the 1982 uh, Cannes Film Festival, uh, in which Stephen King gave it a rave review, which was what made New Line Cinema go, all right, we will distribute this movie for you. I mean... Stephen King's pretty fucked up, and he said it's good, so... And that's early 80s Stephen King, so that's Coke Stephen King. (laughs) Of course it was Coke Stephen King. So uh, when it did eventually get a wide release, its total box office take was just under $30 million. Wow. So on a less than a million dollar budget, that's pretty good. (laughs) I wish... I mean, I think remembering some of the... Most of the Jason franchise, they didn't make that much return. Uh, yeah, a lot of them didn't even make that much of a profit. <laughs> so it did. It it it. It's what kickstarted his career, and from that point forward, he's then he got into Hollywood and started making big movies. And but people... this one stands out as being very like, oh, a bunch of college age dudes made a movie. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and people saw all of the like weird sexual assault stuff and the eye gouging and a lot of death and being dismembered and all that other stuff. And they're like, man, I need this man to make Spider-Man. That's see, I wasn't going to bring that up till later, but yes, I feel the same way. This dude builds his career on horror. And then 20 years later, the like superhero movies are starting to become an actual profitable thing. And Marvel's like, you know what? I think that dude who did Evil Dead should direct Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just something about him seems not right. Even, not even like evil, like not even like horror movies. Like, oh, they just make horror movies. He seems like a good director. He knows like tension and stuff like that. But like you talked about, we talked about how these are like super graphic. They go over the top. He's got that scene that people are still being like, what the fuck? Even like 40 years later. And they're like, yeah, that's my man. That's my man for Peter Parker. <laughs> I mean, it worked at the time. Somebody saw something. <laughs> and that's not even getting into... So the first movie in the Evil Dead franchise is... It's pretty dark, but it, it's pretty over-the-top and ridiculous sometimes, but not outright funny. From 2 forward, the franchise becomes a horror-comedy franchise. Oh, really? Like, it's just straight up, they inject humor into the, the action. 
It's because it's ridiculous. Yeah, there's a Three Stooges routine in the second movie. <laughs> but it's it's between Ash and and his dismembered hand, which is possessed and moving around. It pokes him in the eyes, a la the Three Stooges. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Just to give you a taste of what's in store when we eventually cover those movies. Another interesting thing that becomes a key to the franchise is that you never actually see the demonic entity for what it actually looks like. That's always filmed as point of view shots where it's just like racing through the forest and like chasing somebody around. And as you would imagine, they literally did that in the most basic way ever. They had someone hold a camera and run through the woods. Chase around some guy. Uh, yeah, but they had the camera moving at a, it was uh, recording at a slower frame rate. So then when they played it at 24 frames per second, it looks like it's going super fast and shaky and jumpy and stuff. Man, I wish we could make movies in the 80s. It looks easy. Apparently, uh, yeah. some dudes in, a, in the woods. Des- despite the improvements in technology, it seems like it was somehow easier to make movies back in the 80s. But yeah, I mean, like, I think I've covered pretty well what this movie is like from a critical point of view. It's it's very amateur the... looking, but well made. Like he he's a good filmmaker. He's just a weird filmmaker. How did so audience loved it? I guess because you said it's a cult classic. Or I mean, yeah, it it like a... it's not. It can't be a cult classic. It's just a commercial success. Well, it was a cult classic that became yeah a mainstream success. It's because when I said he was shopping it around and just playing it at whatever venue he could, that's when it had its cult classic status. Where like college students were like, "Dude, have you seen this movie? This fucking like dark fucked up horror movie that this guy's shopping around." And then once it got huge, it blew up and now everybody knows about it, you know. So all we need to do is make a really gross, grotesque, over-the-top movie and get some coked-out celebrity to say good things about it. Uh, yeah, Kev, that's the key to success. Yeah, I didn't fall. I, I, sorry, I didn't know that. So we got to go through with that. That seems like the best way. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> so I guess I'll just jump right to the point. Kev, do you think I can no. ever convince? Come no. on. What the you wouldn't hell watch wrong the movie? Maybe you... like the second movie. You said they get lighter as we go. Can I just start from two? I mean, it's still pretty violent, but yeah. Well, the funny thing is, and this is really a topic for that episode, but two is a weird movie. Unlike the first one, which is totally normal. Yeah. Well, no, weird in a different way. When Sam Raimi went to make Evil Dead Two, the rights became kind of mixed up in the shuffle how did he how did he lose the rights he just was some dude who made it in his van well it's not that he lost the rights it's that certain things weren't completely under his control anymore and and whatever the point is two opens with a recap of one but he wasn't like it's just shows ash and his girlfriend not the three other characters and well, his girlfriend's recast with somebody else. Weird. And then, but Bruce and, stays like, through it, right? Yes, yes. But that, like, the opening of two is just a ten-minute recap of the first movie, real quick, and then it jumps into the action. And so, uh, for a long time, people thought that two was actually a retcon, and one like wasn't canon anymore. Weird. But, Sam Raimi has acknowledged, he's like, no, 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 one did happen with, like, all five of them. It's just that when we made two, things were fucked up, and we, A, it was something to do with the rights, and B, also, I think, a budget thing again, and he's just like, when we did the recap, we just had it be him and his girlfriend. (laughs) We couldn't do the whole movie again. Yeah, like, he literally wasn't able or allowed to use clips from the first movie to do the recap. So he's like, we reshot it, but to save money, we just had it be two characters instead of five. (laughs) I wasn't able to use the clips from my own movie that I had already made when nobody, the only person he owed money to were just random business owners. The corner store guy, you know, he owned part of it, but like, I don't think he has much to say on this. Hey, maybe, uh. The deli owner fought for control of the movie. <laughs> My guess is that when they did like the massive distribution, new you said new line, right? Yeah, yeah. They probably like, here's somebody who's young and exploitable. Let's just give him a contract that he's gonna love, but that's gonna give us a shit ton of control. Yeah, probably. 
We saw how well that worked out for them with Jason. Yeah, no, I can't. It's just ridiculous, all the, the, the rights issues and stuff. I mean, that doesn't even fit in the genre of horror. Like, we see all, the, there's all the issues with, like, the Marvel series and the X-Men and Spider-Man and all that other stuff with a bunch of people being like, no, I own him. I want the money. And it's like, dude, can we just work together to make good movies? Because y'all get money then. No, Spider-Man belongs to us. He can pop up in your movies, but he's ours. <laughs> I mean, if whoever owned, whoever's fighting over Jason, if they all just were like, guys, let's just make a movie together, they'd all get a lot more money than they're making right now, which is just angrily yelling at each other about Jason. Hey, Kev, you see what, what I did there? What? I got you talking about Jason again. Oh, fucking. It's <laughs> because my life is Jason. I can't get away from him now. uh but to return to my original point from what started this tangent sam raimi reconfirmed the canonicity of the first movie when in 2015 they made a three-season tv show ash versus evil dead which took place in the present day and showed an older ash and his latest adventures and against demons who aren't dead but probably evil correct and he is haunted once again by like the spirit of his, like the evil possessed spirit of his sister. And they got the original actress to come back and play her. Wow. Yeah. And uh, from all accounts, she had a lot of fun with it. And it, it was a really good time for everyone involved. They've got so they've got five movies, a TV show. Is I think there was a remake out there, too. Yeah, it's it's um, three canon movies, a remake, and the TV show, which is in the original continuity. There's a lot going and on for this series. Tons of video games and even more comic books, including the original movie idea for a sequel to Freddy vs. Jason was Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash. But <laughs> Where Jason's... Is Ash just becoming this, like, demon-slaying monster? Yes, in the... Uh, the movie never got made, but they continued it as a comic series. And in his own comics, Ash basically is just constantly going around having to fight off demons and monsters and shit. I mean, what else are you going to do at this point? You know, like all you tried to have a nice vacation and your sister, your fiance and all your friends just got murdered. So and tried to kill you. It's not nice. The man's probably a little bit on edge. He's a little unhinged. So Pete. I won't watch this movie. Um, who do you think should watch this movie? Um, okay, so here, here's the caveat. If you're a horror fan, I think you should check out The Evil Dead and then watch all of them. It's a great series. It's really weird. Very original, so it's interesting for horror fans. <laughs> original. That's if you are not a horror fan, but you're interested in getting into it, do not start with the first Evil Dead movie. You just made fun of me for not wanting to watch this. Yeah, but I know you and I can make fun of you. <laughs> just watch the second movie onwards because they're a lot more palatable. And if you're feeling up for it, go back and watch the first movie. But like we said, it's very graphic. There's sexual assaults that could be triggering. Um, whereas the rest of the franchise is just silly, over the top violence and dumb child humor. <laughs> That sounds like it's up my alley. Yeah, so this is a rare instance where I'm going to tell folks trying to get into horror, do not watch the first movie in a series, jump right to the second one, and then view the original at your own risk. And now, Kevin, throwing it back at you, do you think there's some sort of special niche demographic that could benefit from watching The Evil Dead? All right, so I think there's a very specific group. Uh, if you are planning a road trip with your friends and you're trying to think of things to do to entertain yourselves, I think this is a good primer, like a how-to guide to really enjoy long-term travel trips with your friends. It seems like everybody had a lot of time. I heard there was a lot of laughs in this movie about from the friends. The friend group was laughing a lot. So I think this is a pretty good way to be like, hey, this is how I enjoy a vacation time with my friends. Uh, if you also really enjoy learning ancient languages, I think this is a good primer, a good way to start out, like where you can find out that translation and things like that. And where you can look into like a launching pad into like figuring out the next steps and how do I learn ancient Sumerian and Greek and Latin and all that other stuff. And I think this is a good way to start as well, too. So those are those are the two groups. If you're both, if you're like a group of 
academically minded friends who want to travel the country learning dead languages, this movie is basically your bread and butter. Okay. Um, not the usual pursuits I see people having, but it works. I would suggest bringing a lot of chainsaws and clearing out any sort of trees or wildlife you find whenever you make a stop. Like, that, just stop in parking lots. That's it, though. That's, that's a good suggestion. All right, Kev. Well, as fun as it's been talking nope. about the Evil Dead. Still no. Can we go back to Jason? Wow, never thought I'd hear those <laughs> words come out of your mouth. How's Stephen King? Is he doing anything? Oh, we'll get to him later in the month. Don't you worry. Oh, we have something later in the month for this? Oh, yeah, buddy. Don't, don't, don't forget. I'm taking you to The Shining. <laughs> but Which, it, is there anything shiny in that movie? Just wondering. Just idly curious. No. So it's like an actual like cleverness title thing. It isn't just a weird amalgamation of like what's in the movie. No, yeah, The Shining is the name for psychic powers. See, that's nice. I like that because there's even a little bit of depth. Just a little bit. I'm never going to hear the end of this, am I? Stick with us next week and the weeks further, further as we continue in this trend of talking about horror movies. We'll talk about bad stuff, stabbing stabby, man who kills, death death, and my personal favorite, evilness, the movie. It's going to be a great time, a wild ride full of things you wouldn't expect from the titles. I mean, really, Kev, I'm just going to let you sit with the thought that one or more of those may be actual titles to movies. Oh, God. Stabby Stab the Movie. Yes, Kev, that's right. Stabby Stab the Movie. And for all you folks at home, remember, don't get too scared. Dark Man. Dark Dark Man's a good movie. Dark Man. Really? Really?